Hello, it's David here. Thank you for listening to The Leader. Please subscribe to make sure you never miss out on our news, commentary and analysis every day at 4pm. Just hit the button on your podcast provider. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Will the UK have a COVID vaccine in the new year? The best case scenario is that that happens this year. I think more likely is the early, earliest part of next year. Health Secretary Matt Hancock's raising hopes. We speak to our Deputy Political Editor Nicola Cecil about how the UK could win the race to beat the bug. And nobody knows quite what's going on. I imagine even the Prime Minister doesn't know where this cliffhanger is going to end up. Associate Editor Julian Glover on Boris Johnson's Brexit gamble. Will there really be a new deal? Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, hopes rise for a UK coronavirus vaccine within months. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. A coronavirus vaccine would be the biggest breakthrough in the battle against this infection that could help us return to something like normal. The UK might be the first country to deliver it. We've got 30 million doses already uh, contracted for with AstraZeneca. In fact, they are starting to manufacture those doses already Uh, ahead of approval so that should approval come through and it's still not certain but it is looking up um, should that approval come through then we're ready to roll out health secretary matt hancock raised hopes while speaking to lbc our editorial column says he now must deliver theatres aren't staging pantos this christmas so we won't get to see a fairy godmother on stage waving her wand and wishing all the ills of the world away But we might see one in real life if the health secretary, Matt Hancock, turns out to be right. He's just predicted that a vaccine for coronavirus will work and be available for use soon. This is a massive piece of good news. It's also a tribute to the brilliant work of scientists from all over the world, many of them based in Britain. It's not the first time the government has promised a solution to manage COVID is in sight only for hopes to be dashed. Managing information and expectations is vital. That's why we need to hear next from medical experts who are developing vaccines and will oversee their use. A promise is one thing. We must wait and see if it can be made real. Well, our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil's here. Nicholas, why is Matt Hancock so optimistic about the chances of a vaccine within months? 
Well, one of the vaccines is being developed by academics and scientists at Oxford University in conjunction with pharmaceutical giant AstraZeneca. And this seems to be making good progress. Matt Hancock, the health secretary, was asked about this this morning um, on LBC Radio. And he, he suggested that it might be possible to have this vaccine before Christmas, before the end of the year, although the more likely scenario was to have it in the first few months of next year, which is obviously very positive news. Obviously, Matt Hancock's been speaking about this this morning, but we haven't heard since then from anybody in the medical community, from Oxford University, from AstraZeneca. Do we know, though, what progress has been made? Well, what we know so far is that in July, scientists announced that the phase two of the Oxford vaccine trials had shown that uh, this vaccine induces strong antibody and T-cell immune responses for up to 56 days uh, as the trial went ahead. There were no serious adverse events reported from people who'd given this vaccine. What's happened now is that the, the vaccine has gone out to further trials in America, in the UK, in Brazil and in South Africa. And there'll be a couple more trials starting elsewhere soon as well. So what, what they're put doing, they're putting out the, the vaccine out to a far wider population to, to see how, how it responds. Now, this has come after Australia said that it was expecting to get some batches out in January or February. It does appear that even if it doesn't start in the UK, some kind of a tide is turning, doesn't it? Well, certainly there's a, a great impetus to try and find a vaccine. And as you mentioned, the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison created this flurry of excitement this morning when he said that his country expects to receive its first batches of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine in, in January or February, possibly. In his words, he says kind of, Australia needs some hope. Australia is not the only country that is, is desperate for vaccine. Obviously, all countries around the world. And if you look at America, there's one Donald Trump who'd be very keen to see a vaccine um, delivered before November presidential elections. I'm sure he would. Something that might come at least before Christmas, though, is a new testing system that, again, the, the health secretary was talking about this morning. Yes, yeah, so they're trying to get some very rapid response test systems up and running. They've promised quite a lot on testing and they're not yet delivering what needs to be delivered. The current test and trace system is not working sufficiently well. And also some people are having to travel hundreds of miles or being told they had to travel hundreds of miles to have the test in the first place. So the government really does need to up its game on the test and trace system. But all of this is also coming in the background of a rise in cases in the UK, isn't it, Nicholas? It's so important that the government delivers on what it's raising expectations for. Yes, um, so there's this new hope of a vaccine. But before we get that vaccine, it looks like there are going to be some very difficult months ahead in the autumn and first, first half of the winter, at least. It's clear now that the number of cases is rising in the UK, as well as many other countries on, on the European continent. Experts are saying that hospitalisations are going to start to increase, and that's already happening in France and Spain. Fortunately, it looks like the death rate is not rising back to levels seen back at the height of the epidemic. So while lots more people are getting the, the virus, particularly young people, the, the hope is that there won't be such a high death rate from the virus. 
next. Does this point to a big bust up or does it point to a lot of flag waving and then suddenly a settlement? I think it's pointing more to a bust up. Julian Glover, what's at stake if the government really goes for the New Deal Brexit? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Evening Standard's leader column today tells the story of a man in France who managed to blow up part of his house while trying to swat a fly. When he started, he never expected to leave the place in ruins, it says, nor of course did the Prime Minister when he campaigned for Brexit. Mr Johnson's critics fear the latest move in negotiations risks doing just that. The UK is reportedly planning to use new laws to override the Brexit withdrawal agreement, which could see trade talks collapse and the country could leave the European Union with no deal. Our associate editor Julian Glover is here. Julian, is this just brinkmanship? Nobody knows quite what's going on. I imagine even the Prime Minister doesn't know where this cliffhanger is going to end up. What's really clear is that the European Union has put forward a plan and the British government doesn't like it. Now, the question is, does it not like it because it wants to be seen not to like it and have a huge row and in the end sign up? Remember, that is more or less what happened last year when we were told there wasn't going to be a deal and it was all a nightmare. And then Boris Johnson did get a few shifts out of the European Union. He wasn't completely copying Theresa May's deal. But in return for that, he accepted something she didn't want, which is a sort of invisible border in the Irish Sea. It's all very complex, not really of huge interest, except to people who live in Northern Ireland and in the south of Ireland and to the rest of the country in that this might be the sticking point. The government signed up to something it now doesn't like. There are sort of three things we're being told in the weekly thing we get now. We have a discussion before the talks where everybody briefs what they want, then goes quiet and then we find out stuff at the end of the week. Well, we're in the sort of pre-bit. Uh, we heard last week state aid was one of the sticking points. Complete irony there, of course, because Britain wrote the European Union rules on state aid because we wanted free competition. We didn't want all of those pesky continentals bailing out their car factories and inefficient steelworks. We wanted good, rigorous, free market economics. European Union agreed to it, kind of thing we used to get our way in the European Union more than we ever realised. Now, of course, they're trying to stick to the rules we wrote and we don't like them, or at least Boris Johnson doesn't like them, or possibly Dominic Cummings doesn't like them because he is rather keen on all sorts of investments in big tech in the future, all sorts of government spending money on random projects which later flop. Um, anyway, state aid's one of them. Fishing's another one, but in the end you can always get around fishing because it doesn't matter that much. And the final thing is Northern Ireland. 
Does this point to a big bust up or does it point to a lot of flag waving and then suddenly a settlement? I think it's pointing more to a bust up. I think the government's quite close to accepting that no deal is pretty much the same as a thin deal. A big deal isn't on the offing. And anyway, they can blame coronavirus for the economic catastrophe. Get it all over with. It's like doing all the horrible exams in one week or having all your vaccines. Maybe we all want vaccines this day, but normally vaccines you don't like, you know, go get all the jabs at once. Well, it could be like that. The government thinks just pile a no deal onto the coronavirus heap and see what happens. And in four years time, the election will come and we'll have forgotten all about exactly what bit was blamed for, for each. So it's sort of pointing to no deal. I don't think Europe's going to shift a lot. We might shift a bit. Maybe there'll be a thin deal, a sort of stop the queues at Dover kind of deal not a bigger one. Now you mentioned there that fishing's not a big deal but up north in Scotland where I'm from I know that that's a huge issue and they're going to be the SNP is looking to get a majority in the parliament and they'll push for independence again as Nicola Sturgeon has said. We know that Northern Ireland's not going to like it if there's a, a no deal and a hard border there. Doesn't this risk a split of the union even more than before? Everything that happens in the world is now seen by Nicola Sturgeon completely fairly, because that's what she wants, as evidence that Scotland needs to be independent. You never hear her say, gosh, something's just happened, and I think that weakens the case for independence. So, of course, fishing is a big thing. Peterhead and other places, it's a huge issue for some people. But in the scale of the UK's economic future, it's not a huge issue. In the southwest of England, it's a big issue as well. Some of the ports there, the former fishing ports and small fishing ports at the moment... Uh, it could affect seats in the election. But in the end, if Boris Johnson has to sell something down the river or sell, sell it down the ocean, it would be fishing. Uh, he will go for fishing uh, as something to sacrifice if he could get some big concession on something else. And anyway, everybody can sort of park the fishing thing. You could you could come to a deal which had a transition over many years. They could work a way through. In the end, if Brexit comes down to can we reach a deal on fishing or not, we will get a Brexit deal. The bigger question is, aid, European Union right to insist on some kind of UK coherence to acceptable standards that apply to everyone else. We are being very difficult about that. There are reasons to be difficult. In the end, if you're going to have Brexit, make a full go of it, get all of those freedoms. But there will be costs and the costs could be pretty painful on top of a second wave of coronavirus this winter. Confidence in the UK could fall further. Does the Prime Minister want that? In the end, as we say in the leader today, he's got to decide. Does he feel lucky? We've got this mid-October deadline that Boris Johnson has given. Now, we also have rising cases of coronavirus. Could we be in a situation where coronavirus is on the rise and there's a no-deal Brexit on the horizon and Boris Johnson might find himself in some troubled waters there? I think the only thing we know out of the history of the last 12 months is that everything we thought was wrong. That's mostly true of almost all political predictions, but it's particularly true now. If we'd been having this conversation this time last year, in fact, we were having this conversation this time last year, we would have been talking about, will there be a second referendum? You know, is the Lib Dem surge after that shock by-election win that took place less than a year ago now, I think, or about a year ago? Remember them, the Lib Dems? Um, everything turned out to be nonsense. There wasn't a second referendum. Boris Johnson got a big majority. We did have Brexit happen and there was a sort of transition deal. Of course, none of us knew about coronavirus. Right now, we can say perhaps a bit more accurately that cases are going to go up or at least detected infection rates are going to go up because testing is now quite big. That isn't necessarily the same as saying full-blown people suffering from coronavirus, but the figures are going up and they're going up fast in other bits of Europe, so that might well happen here. 
beyond that, what are the consequences? We don't yet know. Of course, the government's got its Trump card. Will it have a vaccine? Will that solve everything? Well, we don't know. They obviously hope it will. But right now, we can speculate. We can probe a bit into the future. But I bet if we replay this conversation in a year's time, everything we predict will be wrong. Sorry about that. And that's The Leader. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Mm-hmm.